People of Note on Fine Music Radio is proudly brought to you each week at this time by Peter Turin Productions. This is Fine Music Radio, and my name is Rodney Trudgeon. Welcome to this week's edition of People of Note. My guest today in the studio is celebrating his 36th year with Cape Town City Ballet, and I'm talking about Mervyn Williams, who somebody said knows where every costume, piece of fabric, shoe is. Um, So he's been around for an incredibly long time. And he's been making magic for an incredible 36 years, both on and off the stage, first as a dancer and now as head of wardrobe, as well as managing Cape Town City Ballet's education, skills and training enterprise development programs. And he's often called on to adjudicate and examine at various local dance schools. So welcome to Mervyn Williams. Mervyn, 36 years is a very long time. Yes, but uh, does it feel like thirty-six years? Not actually, because wh- I, I'm living my passion. I'm living mm-hmm. my dream. I've always wanted to be on stage. I'm from Port Elizabeth, where back in the mid '80s, not much has been happening or going on as far as the arts is concerned, especially where I come from. Seeing ballet pictures is basically what piqued my interest, and then moving to music, and then joining a a cultural society, the Port Elizabeth. Yeah, Cultural Society, which was a community-based project. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned mm-hmm. to do a bit of ballet, learned to do a bit of tap, a bit of jazz, a bit of... I could never sing, so I used to mime, but was always part of the musicals back then. But ballet clearly was your most passionate interest because you started ballet, I see, at the age of 19. Yes. That came came about accidentally. One <laughs> of the, lady, one of the ladies... Um, in our church, she heard about an audition happening, or rather a youth ballet in PE was looking for a male to lift the lead dancer off the coach, told me to go in and try it out. With that, walked into the Savoy Theatre, which is in Port Elizabeth, bumped into Mignon Furman and Mr. George Lurpate. Mignon gave me a step to do. I did it. Next thing, I was part of the youth, Port Elizabeth Youth Ballet. So this is amazing because you, in fact, didn't train. I this did was, not. As you say, by accident. Yes. Uh, they sh- showed you a step or two and they a lift, sh- and that was that. They showed me a step or two, did it, perfected it, and then, yeah, I was part of the youth ballet event. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then with, with that, Mignon Furman asked me if I... She was the then acting principal of UCT School of Dance. Mm-hmm. If I'm interested in doing ballet, and I said, I certainly am. I was in my matric year, applied to Dow Training College to become an educator at a normal, a normal school. And Mignon then said, can I send your application form to UCT? I said, but I haven't done any ballet. The application form arrived. I pulled it in. And next thing, I was on my way to Cape Town to go and study at the UCT School of Dance. 
That's quite interesting, isn't it? Because 19 is also quite old to start ballet from yes. scratch, isn't it? Am I right in saying that? Absolutely. Fortunately for the ladies, they have to start much earlier. Us gentlemen need to just have the posture, pick up technique and all of that, you know, and then carry on from there. I was very fortunate that I was an athlete at school. Also, I did gymnastics and then coming to Cape Town, my first ballet class, um, Dudley Tomlinson asked me, please don't stretch because you are too supple and not strong enough to, your muscles are not strong enough to maintain the ballet posture, so to speak. So I had to relearn all of that. Then I had to learn to do the ballet technique with that having to take extra class with juniors, eight, nine-year-olds, learning how to plie, how to tondu, and all that hard work paid off eventually. <laughs> so that was at UCT that you learned all these yes. things. And then what happened when you left with your ballet sort of degree? What then happened was, this is where the ball just kept rolling, and I, like I said, I, st- I still have to pinch myself. <laughs> In my third, second year at university, there was a choreographic competition of which I was a part. I didn't choreograph, I was one of the dancers. David Poole saw the production and he asked me if I would, wouldn't mind at the end of that particular year, it was 85, to stay back in Cape Town and be part of Nutcracker as an extra, a butler, you know, etc. And I said, yes, of course I would be. And that was 85. In 1986, he then asked me if it's possible, can I join the company to go on the three-week tour on the Eastern Cape Tour, the Cape Hab, Port Elizabeth, Grahamstown, East London. And I said, yes, sir. Please, I would love to. And, then and so you went back to Port Elizabeth I as a dancer? As, well, as an, as an extra, yes, <laughs> student yes, extra yes. with a professional ballet company. And then later on in 86, David Paul said, audition for the company, and I did, and I got in. But I will, I will say that when I auditioned with, with David and the, for the Spire and them all sitting watching, it was a case of David telling me, I'm not taking you into the company because of your technique. You don't have any. <laughs> <laughs> but because of your, of your stage presence, um, you know, I got accepted and has been a part of it since. 36 years later. 36 years later. (laughs) Mervyn, we'll come back because I want to find out about your character roles, which are so important in ballet and which you did a number of them. But tell me about your first piece of music, what you've chosen and why. I've chosen the song Morning Has Broken. Um, Cat Stevens, I think, is the one who sang it. He was famously. He was famous for it. Growing up as a child, my outlook in life is fairly positive, I'll admit, because of my parents. This is the one song my father used to always sing because of the words. I mm. mean, you praise everything that you've, you've woken up in the morning. You just give thanks for everything there is. And this is the song that always sticks with me, has always stuck with me. And just the words. The words are perfect. Sweet the rain's new fall 
is the sunlight, mine is the morning, born of the one light, Eden saw play, praise with elation, praise every morning. Recreation of the new day. Morning has broken like the first morning. Blackbird has spoken. Like the first bird, praise for the singing, praise for the morning, praise for them springing fresh from the world. That is a lovely song, Cat Stevens there, as he was known then as Cat Stevens, with quite a hit for him, Morning yes. Has Broken. And it was the first choice of my guest on this week's edition of People of Note, Mervyn Williams, who this year is celebrating his 36th year with Cape Town City Ballet. And I love this little quote from Elizabeth Trichardt, who's also a colleague of ours, who says, uh, Mervyn knows where every costume, piece of fabric and shoe is. <laughs> but that was your later career. We're still in your career on stage, on stage. Because I also read here that you became very famous in character roles. And these are important in ballet, aren't they? Because they're not actually dance roles. Yes. Just explain what is needed from a character dancer or a character personality. Yeah. yeah, it takes a lot of research. I will not go onto stage mixing my characters, irrespective of which ballet it is. Mm -hmm. It depends entirely on the choreographer and what they require, the personality of the character to be performed. I would then try and research it either either people watching, which is one of my worst traits, <laughs> <laughs> or basically YouTube these days. But I will admit, I had one of the best mentors possible, John Simons. Oh, really? Yes. I would do everything. I would watch everything. And I would try and copy things that he's done. And people who've, who've seen ballets recently, which had been re-revived, they would see a bit of John Simons in that particular character because I cannot change anything. That was perfection to me. <laughs> and that was my, my learning process regarding my character roles. Now, I've been told that some of your best roles were as Violet... Where's that from? <laughs> That's from Cinderella. Oh, Cinderella, of course. Yes. 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 The shrinking, ugly sister in Veronica Papers' Cinderella. Yes. Madge the Witch and also La, La Sylphide. Yes. And these roles, I mean, you don't actually dance, do you? What do you actually do to make um, it look so real? If you've noticed, they're both female roles. Yes, <laughs> indeed <laughs> they are. Because it's a bit of a caricature, yes. isn't it? Daffodil, uh, not Daffodil, Violet in Cinderella, she's coy. She's 
just all over the place. Yeah, but I can't ham up something regard like that. It has to be as real as possible. A lot of work goes into her, just so that whatever I portray would come across as genuine. I would also watch a very shy person, even a shy child, hiding behind the mother's skirt, etc., etc. Right. That's what Viola does. Madge, on the other hand, has to go from soft and after being antagonized by the lead gentleman, then has to turn and become quite nasty and harsh. That too, the transition should happen on stage and people should be able to see it. Mm -hmm. So it's basically body language, your attitude towards the particular person you're dancing to or at or with. Yeah, all of that comes into play when it comes to building characters for myself. Because what I've noticed from character roles, and believe me, I'm not a ballet expert. <laughs> it's the one thing, it's my weak spot mm -hmm. in my artistic um, <laughs> realm but I have seen many ballets and enjoyed them but what I've noticed with character actors is they don't seem out of place on the stage even though they're not pirouetting and spinning they walk in a certain way that could almost be a choreographed walk yes. there's a sort of elegance about them that you would normally not do off stage yeah. you're definitely part of the feel and the world of that ballet absolutely um it's also Veronica in her in most of her works. The characters are she give you leniency. Mm -hmm. You go with what you feel comfortable with, and she will rein it in if it's not what she requires, which is great because we can then have the freedom to explore the different nuances of the particular character. And then if she doesn't like it, she'll say, "I don't like it." <laughs> Just Bring like it that. Back. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> because what a reputation she has had and yes. as a career. I mean, a remarkable choreographer. Yes. But the other thing uh, with you, Mervyn, it seems, as you said just now, you don't just go and try out a role. You research a lot yes. about that character, yes. his or her movements, lifestyle, likes, no. dislikes, no. which brings you to the rehearsals fully prepared. Yes, yes. With that, and just trying to build on what the music requires, but the choreographer is the one who dictates what they want, mm -hmm. and you build on that. Mm -hmm. Some people take, can take the correction, other people can't take correction, as if you tell me I'm doing something wrong, I won't be insulted, I would try and rectify the wrong I'm doing. And Which is and good yeah. for a relationship with yes. the choreographer. Yes. Um, are you still doing character roles or not? I am. <laughs> <laughs> There's a ballet coming up, and I'll be one of the Ugly Sisters again. Oh, really? Now, Violet. which ballet is that? Cinderella? <laughs> Cinderella. <laughs> oh, so you're going to do one of the... Yes. It always strikes me, incidentally, talking about Cinderella and the Ugly Sisters, it always strikes me that the character actors who are doing those really seem to enjoy themselves, because all over the top, it's all over made up, and it must be such fun. Look, I enjoy yeah. what I'm doing, and if that make people laugh, great. I want to have fun as well doing characters. Of course, that's so what yes. it's all about. And Violet, there's no way you cannot ha not have fun with that one. <laughs> Is Violet the sister you do? Yes, she's the shy sister. Compared that, that you to spoke the, about earlier. Yes, compared yes. to the daffodil who's the bossy, the bossy one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now we're going to have another music break. Mervin, sure. what's your second piece of music and why have you chosen it? My second piece of music chosen was is from... La Traviata, Veronica Papers, La Traviata, the ballet. It's the entrance into the into the parlor with myself playing the Baron, Baron Dufol. It was my first lead role, or sorry, second lead role, or demi lead role, depending how you want to see it, with the principal ballerina, mm -hmm. it was Nikki Loxton, and that was one of my first times I partnered the ballerina of the night. Mm -hmm. 
famous scene from the beginning of La Traviata by Giuseppe Verdi, the drinking song there, and one of the choices of my guest here on People of Note this week, and his name is Mervyn Williams, and as I've said, we're celebrating his 36th year with Cape Town Ballet. So now I want to know, what about choreography? Did you ever get into choreography yourself? I dabbled in it a bit. Oh, you dabbled, okay. <laughs> um, I was I was once asked by Aviva Pelham. She did a show at the Libertas Theatre with um, Cyril Hartman and Melanie Stoltz. It was called Glamour, and it was directed by Janice Honeyman. And um, I think Veronica Paper was supposed to choreograph it and then passed on to me. I had a lot of fun with it. It's not my strong point, choreography, so I would prefer choreographing for something like that mm-hmm. as opposed to a pure classical... Yeah, one of the major ballets. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Because clearly choreography, because I've interviewed Veronica and other choreographers, it's a very taxing art, uh, choreography. There's a lot to take into consideration while choreographing, besides Mm -hmm. the music, the capability of the dancers, what can be achieved, your vision trying, you know, you've got to try and put your vision onto other people, you know, and that that could be difficult. And no, I'd rather let them put me into a position (laughs) instead of me putting them Them into a position. position. Now, one of the things I wanted to ask you about is that you've been 
given many awards, the David Poole Award, Belletta Main's Male Dancer Award, the Brian van Rieder, Jeff Newman Award. So you've certainly been admired for what you do. So you must feel, well, put it this way, you chose the right career, shall we say. Yes. I received the David Poole Award. That was the first one for my contribution to, to dance. The second one I got was the Belletta Main's Award for dancing the dad role in a ballet called Geisha, choreographed by Robin van Weyck at the time. And then the other, Brian and Jeff Award, I received it twice for Violet in Cinderella, <laughs> for my portrayal of Violet <laughs> in Cinderella. You s- received it Cinderella. twice for the same role? For the same role. But obviously different times. Different times, yes. Okay, well those are nice A couple of years apart. <laughs> tuck under your, <laughs> yes, tuck under your belt. This business, you've been an adjudicator for Theatre Dance Associations, Steadfords, all those sorts of things. So obviously that must be another part of your life that you enjoy, helping younger people. Yes. I always try to be as encouraging as possible, especially for the younger generation. When asked to adjudicate, I will do as honestly as I possibly can. I will point out faults as well as praise them for what they've done, achieved on stage. My mark sometimes might be harsh because... There are some teachers who would like to put an exceptional classical piece on stage to be adjudicated, and the performers are not quite ready for that particular feat just yet. Mm-hmm. So automatically, but I do enjoy teaching, encouraging, talking to the dancers afterwards if they would like to know what, and also engaging with the teachers, you know, where I feel they are underutilizing, overutilizing, you know, what I've seen performed on stage. Mm-hmm. But I do, I do enjoy it. I and mean, do they listen to you, the teachers, or they, yes, they, they don't they, you interfere with us? <laughs> they do some, because they... I think the teachers more so respect the fact that I've been a dancer for so long. Mm-hmm. Some of the teachers I taught at university. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> yes, that uh, and uh, now they that'll put them in their place. <laughs> well, I've been at the university with them, and they've mm-hmm. yeah. And I think that that's also the teachers are more accepting of what I say because it's realistic. It's not. I'm not going to give them you know sort of a false sense of your kids are either amazing or they are so fraught. <laughs> Um, I will give them what is what is. Also, sometimes a harsh criticism can do the child good yes. because they will learn from it rather than just. Yes. The one, the one uh, comment I got from about three different teachers, different places, is we like your honesty, and as teachers teaching the kids, we see the same child do the same mistake every day, and we don't pick it up. And then I draw the attention to it, and you go, "Ah, there's the problem." Okay. Now, that to me is also fulfilling. So do yeah. you still work a lot with young people now or less? I, so? d- I do teach. I do teach a bit, not as, not as much as I'd like to because of my other duties. I do go out and guest teach if need or when I'm invited to go and do so. Mm-hmm. And also audience develop. You know. are, you, are you involved with that as well? I mean, everything you do with educating people to within our genre of arts. Of arts and yeah. ballet. Yes. So the audience development thing, does Cape Town Ballet do quite a lot of that? We do as much as we can. We are so we are basically so understaffed. It's the CEO Debbie Turner and myself are the only two senior members in the company. The rest of them are either contracted. So the oh, two of okay. us will have to jiggle and and try and make things work hmm. and not uh, leave any of the necessary requirements out. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, also, having spent thirty six years with the company, you must have seen. Great dancers come and go because Cape Town City Ballet has had such a reputation and has had great dancers and choreographers over the years, which you would have seen and worked with and all sorts of things. Yeah. 
a lot of young young dancers who come in from overseas or rather young dancers from South Africa mm-hmm. who would get roles in the company, dance them and try their hand overseas. Most often they get in and sort of achieve away from South Africa. Yes, I have seen uh, Daria Clementova, Desiree Samai, Hisham Omadin. They've all gone overseas and made names for themselves. Mm-hmm. Gosh. Yeah. Okay, Mervyn, another piece of music, please. What's your next choice? My next choice of music is Rhapsody in Blue. Oh, my goodness. Yes. <laughs> uh, it's a two-part or three-part reason why I chose that music and like it so much. I've danced to Norman Ferber's Rhapsody in Blue as a, as a young, young man. And then after that, it was re-choreographed by Erica Bromwich. It was very difficult to do Erica's piece because she really demanded stamina, strength, more strength, brute strength, etc. And I was able to do that. And the last part is, I have a son who was, um, he's now quite older, he's 29 years old, Jesse, he, at junior school, at a competition at the waterfront, this was the one song he was, he was asked to play because he plays the clarinet. Ah, right. And when, I'm talking about a 10-year-old in competition mode, other schools around, having to stop the orchestra around him because the piano was in the wrong key. <laughs> really? Um, yeah. I, of course, end up in cold sweat because, like, why are you stopping them? You can't do that. It's in the middle of a performance. And he said it was in the wrong key. Good grief. They then, and that is one, the one reason why I love the music so much. I think of that. Well, I think that um, it's, it's very long, yes. Rhapsody in Blue. Yes. And having heard your story about your son and the clarinet, I think we should hear the opening, the opening sequence with the clarinet and into the work. How about right. that? Uh, that would be great. That would be great.
part of the Rhapsody in Blue by George Gershwin there with the London Symphony Orchestra conducted by Andre Preben, who also played the piano. And it was another choice of Mervyn Williams, who's my guest on People of Note this week, talking about ballet. And Mervyn, this 36 years you're celebrating this year, I believe that now your official title at Cape Town City Ballet is Head of Costuming and Wardrobe Coordinator. I presume that must be a fairly tricky job because of the intricacies and variety and number of costumes that ballet requires. Yes. That is another headache in itself. Did you say headache? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. In the costume department, it's a lot different than, of course, being told what to do by the choreographer. Now it's trying to find the choreographer's vision of what they wear and what they should look like. Mm. And of late, the company has been doing some beautiful works, reviving some beautiful works from Sir Frederick Ashton, etc., etc., like Les Feed. Fortunately, we do have the costumes in stock. It wasn't used since mid-80s, late-80s. We then had to bring them out of storage, dust them off, and, of course, try and restore them to their original beauty which is difficult because first and foremost we can't find those kind of fabrics from back then to mix and match but we try our our utmost to make it look as authentic and as real as possible the other one are choreographers coming down and sending their designs from either London or wherever I for example Ngoma it was designed in London we didn't use their costume because our cost was so much more and everything was done across Zoom Wow. talking to their designer yeah. and yeah. having their, their costumes recreated here. Fortunately, he was very happy, and the compliment was, your costume took better than ours. <laughs> <laughs> well, good um, for you. Yeah, and just trying, trying to find different fabrics here. In South Africa, Cape Town itself is difficult to what is offered overseas. Yes. Yeah. It's interesting what you said about fabrics. I'd never thought of this, that you're looking at fabrics from the 1980s, and you yeah. say now it's difficult to find those sort of fabrics. Yes. Yes. I wonder why that is. Is it just because fashions change and things move on? And the, the quality of fabrics change. Of workmanship. Yes. yes. We just did Roman Juliet recently. Those costumes, 98% of them are the original Roman Juliet costumes. Those kind of fabrics you can't find anywhere in the world. So we have to try and mix and match and hide and try and fix. And, <laughs> and I yes. bet you the audience doesn't notice, or they mustn't they, notice. That's they what's mustn't important. They mustn't notice, yes. Okay. Um, but what was so special then about the 80s and fabrics then? You know, with Peter Kaz and his designs, they, back in the day, they had, uh, listen to me, back in the day, back okay. in the day, they, they had people who went out to buy. We had buyers, fabric buyers. So they mm-hmm. traveled the world to go and find fabrics, brought samples with them. And then, of course, in the KPAP era, rolls and rolls of meters were shipped back to South Africa. Since then, those meters are now depleted. Those rolls and rolls of fabric is now depleted. So, yeah, it is difficult trying to find anything to match anything here. You know, it's one yeah. of those problems that we do have. And if we do find something, it's either not the correct color, and then it means ombreing and spraying and painting over the fabric to try and make it look authentic. Wow. So there's a lot goes into it, but it's fun. And what a bit of excitement and a bit of attention and a bit of everything. <laughs> <Yes>. Apprehension, <laughs> anxiety. <laughs> to make things work, yeah. Um, but now KPAB Ballet presumably has a crew of people who sew and make these clothes. No. 
We don't. Oh. <laughs> when I joined the company, we're going, I'm going back a long time. When I joined the 36 company. 36 years, in fact. Yes. Our wardrobe complement were at least, we had two cutters, eight people behind sewing machines, a milliner, and supervisor, and a superintendent, all of those things. At the moment, my wardrobe staff is one cutter, come cutter and sewer, and two seamstresses. We don't have a milliner. We oh. don't have anything. And this is what we, we work with. And those ladies in my wardrobe department are absolutely phenomenal. Mm-hmm. They're older because we, yeah, the older people are meticulous when it comes to recreating. Yes. Um, and uh, Mervyn, the costumes, when they are finished in a run and they're then put into the wardrobe, mm-hmm. how do you make sure they're not moth eaten? <laughs> <laughs> Difficult. <laughs> <laughs> Our storage facilities we have at the moment are not ideal. So basically, we have to we, we wash them. We wash them ourselves to make sure that it is properly cleaned, and then with that we would then cover them individually with a plastic wrap, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, just to keep it from getting moisture in mm-hmm. and uh, any other little creatures out. Yes. <laughs> As you say, it must be a bit of a nightmare to keep these costumes in. And I suppose you don't really have to worry about size because dancers, generally speaking, are similar sizes, aren't they? Um, Mostly. That's a perception, yes. Okay. <laughs> Shall we not yeah. go there? <laughs> no. Uh, look, the dancers, the costumes for, for male and female dancers have to be body fitted mm. because of lifts. You know, any misfitted clothes might man might slip, it might tear on you, poppers might come loose, so it has to literally fit, be body perfect. And this is where every season we have to fit, refit, and all the dancers, yeah, just to so that it is safe for them to put the costume on, and they, the knowing farewell that when they are partnered by the man, there is no chance of either the costume slipping or, you know, sort of the men slipping and dropping them. Yeah, I know what you mean. These are the uh, finer details that we in the audience don't understand. We're going to take another quick music break, Mervyn. What's your next piece? Oh, my next piece is from Spartacus. Oh, right. Yes, it's the big adagio between between, uh, Spartacus and Phrygia. In the ballet, it is before he goes to battle, and it's their farewell pas de deux. The reason why I chose this piece, because as a student... Back in 1985, I was part of Veronica Paper's Spartacus and starstruck. I was one of those who carried Edward Hueling and Katinka van Flandern on stage as Phrygia and Spartacus. It was such an impact they made.
part of that beautiful, lush pas de deux from Spartacus by Aram Khachaturian, known as the Adagio. Adagio of Spartacus and Friedger. Yeah. Right. And another choice of my guest, we're talking ballet on People of Note this week, Mervyn Williams, who's celebrating 36 years with Cape Town City Ballet. You know, you said something earlier, Mervyn, about... You know, men have to be very strong as ballet dancers, don't yes, they? Yes. They say that a male, a fully professional, fit male dancer is as fit, even not more fit, than a rugby player, which I can understand could possibly be true. Could possibly be true. And also his movements have to be so controlled. They can't just be brute force. Yes. As a male dancer, we have a, of course, a dancer needs to use a different muscle group as a rugby player or football player. Mm. When you look at football players or rugby players, their their muscles are short and bulky and stocky um, because of the quick the quick takeoffs and the quick um, you know dodging or the quick sprint. Uh, the ballet dancer is obviously different because we have to wear tights, so everything has to be lean and but defined mm. to sustain the adagio movements of the like the piece the we piece just required, heard. Yeah, the mm. piece required, and also the strength of the male to lift the female is a lot to do with coordination. You don't have to be super strong, uh, but you have to be coordinated with your partner. Mm-hmm. When we were dancing back in the day, it was really a case of the man behind the woman is the one that keeps the woman up. Right. Uh, <laughs> this day, in these days, it's a dual thing. The man has to be strong enough to control and, you know, not drop the lady. Um, and the lady has to also be as strong enough to keep herself up in case something goes wrong. Yeah. Neither of them show any sign of strain. Yes. We don't want yes. to see strain. Oh, in no, the there should be no veins popping in the, in the neck. <laughs> right. Mervyn, we, we're almost running out of time, but I wanted to ask you, from a ballet point of view, are young people here in Cape Town, in South Africa, taking up ballet? Are we... Are we going to be okay for the future? I think so. Mm. With Nutcracker just being performed by our company, um, the young male contingent—I think there are about thirty of them—on oh. different on different nights because we have three different casts. Yeah. Um, before it was really a case of you dress a little girl in a wig to become a little boy in Nutcracker. This time around, we never did have to do that. Okay. We have male rats and actual male dancers, little boys on stage playing male parts, mm-hmm. which is great. And I think there is a, a resurgence of, of um, males wanting to, do, wanting to dance. Uh, the stigma of it in the past is like null and void these days. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, there is definitely a resurgence of, of young young boys doing ballet, which is, is great for me to see. You know, it um, must be, uh, from your perspective, after your 36 years and all yes. the things you've done, yes. to see that these chaps are still coming forward to want to learn and to want to be part of, as we yeah. said, the magic. Yes, absolutely. So, now... What are you? What is your next thing? You 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 mentioned the ballet next year that you were doing. Early we are next doing year? Cinderella, um, yeah, at uh, at Artscape, mm-hmm. um, and I th- we open on the seventh of uh, February to the nineteenth of February. Okay, so you you're quite busy because Nutcracker, which has apparently been doing very well, yes. is just in the process of finishing. We have already started rehearsing. <laughs> oh, have you? Cinderella, really? yes. Oh, yes. One quick question I want to ask you if I can fit it in, uh, Mervyn, is. Why, for example, are there three casts for a ballet like Cinderella? Or, or Nutcracker. I mean Nutcracker, Nutcracker. sorry, I meant Nutcracker. The, the reason being is it is um, strenuous on the, on the, on the um, leads, mm-hmm. uh, so they at least get not 
a full performance off because the male and female might might be doing a smaller role oh. in the next on the next night, but just okay. give their bodies a chance to rest before they do another lead role again. Okay, so um, it's purely from a physical purely sensibility physical. point of now, view. Now, with the kids, again, we cannot use them every night because then it becomes a child labor thing. Mm. You know, so yes. one night on, two nights off, so to speak, and the next. That's how we, we have to do it. Gosh, lots of logistics yeah, to think about a lot of them, yes. as we sit there and be <laughs> transported by the world of yeah. ballet. Yes. Um, Mervyn, it's been great to talk to you, and thank you, and congratulations on your 36 years. Thank you. I've and you don't have myself. retirement yes. look written anywhere over you at all. <laughs> <laughs> so keep up the good yeah, work. Thank you very Mervyn, much. Mervyn, you've chosen quite an interesting piece to end. The Impossible Dream. Hmm. The, the To dream the impossible dream was something I did growing up, um, not doing ballet at, uh, before I came to UCT, then joining the company, and look, 36 years later, I'm still there, enjoying the dream, the impossible dream back then, which is now a possibility, and I hope the young people out there also feel what I felt back then to where I am now. And you've chosen Peter O'Toole's version. Ah, uh, yes, because of because of just the dynamics of yes, how he... wonderful voice. I'm a no. great Peter O'Toole fan. Yes. The Man of La Mancha, it appeared yes. in, was it? Okay. I've been talking to Mervyn Williams about ballet. Mervyn, thank you very much. You're more than welcome. It was a pleasure. The mission of each true knight is duty. Nay, is privilege. To dream the impossible dream Fight the unbeatable foe To bear with unbearable sorrow To run where the brave dare not go To right the unrightable wrong To love pure and chaste from afar to try when your arms are too weary To reach the unreachable star This is my quest to follow that star No matter how hopeless, no matter how far To fight for the right without question or pause to be willing to march into hell for a heavenly cause and i know if i'll only be true to this glorious quest that my heart will lie peaceful and calm when i'm laid to my rest and the world will be better for this Not one man scorned and covered with scars Still strove with his last ounce of courage To reach the unreachable People of Note on Fine Music Radio was proudly brought to you by Peter Turin Productions. Music